0: Welcome to the podcast, where you will learn everything you need to be a successful student at any level of academic study. Listen each week as I interview experts, leaders and students. If you are studying or thinking about it, you will need practical tips, techniques, coaching and support to help you get finished and be successful. While you're listening, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Links and info are always in the show notes. So join me now as you listen in, learn, take action, and succeed. Good afternoon, everybody, and a very warm welcome to this week's live Learning Your Lunchtime webinar. Uh, we go live here on the Student Success Coach at 12 o'clock midday every Friday. It's really just a great opportunity to get us together as a bit of a community Uh, We've had some fantastic guests. And we also talk about uh, a lot of important topics for students uh, to make sure that you can be successful. And that's something I'm absolutely 100% committed to doing is providing you with access to the resources and the experts that will help you be successful. And it's in all aspects of studies, even from undergrad all the way through to potentially tackling postgraduate studies uh, and then hopefully on into the workplace and making your contribution using your studies and your research uh, not only to build a life for yourself and your family but also to help lift uh, the country through how we you know we are approaching problems that we have and using uh, research and the academic process to solve them uh, and make a better life for everybody else so just by way of introduction my name is uh, Peter Alkimer, the student success coach i'm also ably supported by Tracy Ashington on a very regular basis and in our facebook uh, group and tracy ashington also has uh, a thriving career coaching and graduate recruitment Uh, business and we'll be bringing Tracy in a little bit later uh, this afternoon and we've also had a number of other fantastic guests that are also very present and engaged and active uh, in the Facebook uh, group and in the community and who you have access to on an ongoing basis so I certainly don't have all the answers Tracy doesn't have all the answers but uh, through the community uh, we know that uh, we can generally point you in the right direction and help you with uh, what you need so um just to really recap um we have a range of online courses uh tracy and i have co-instructed a couple of courses on how to ace your uh, job interview potentially how to uh, develop a job winning cv Um, and you can see a range of my other courses Uh, we also provide coaching through these webinars and through live sessions uh, which you can get access through Either my website, uh, studentsuccess.coach, or Tracy Ashington's website, or any of the other Facebook pages or websites of many of the uh, experts that are available in the Student Success Coach community. Um, and of course, that community grounded in the Facebook group, uh, but linking in with many other groups and other, you know, spin offs of that community in different universities uh, and through different experts and, and their websites and their forums. Uh, we also have a podcast uh, where we interview uh, experts um, from uh, within the educational community from within business Uh, those podcasts are all accessible uh, through my website and hosted on your podcast player of choice so we firmly believe that you can achieve your goals that you can be successful um, but it's going to take you some hard work Uh, we're all here to coach you and teach you uh, to be successful so just as a reminder, uh, today we are looking at um, research proposals and very important uh, that you get your research proposal uh, sorted and working well to support uh, the rest of your research. Uh, it is important to build an, a foundation for your research and of course your institution will want to approve that uh, just to make sure that they know exactly um, you know, the time and effort that they also put in and the allocation of a supervisor must be done. Uh, on a proper basis so that's really going to be the topic of what we'll uh, talk about this morning but before we get there just a reminder of some of the other resources that you can get access to uh, so there's digital masterclass, there's um there's procurement there's uh, beat procrastination there's actually doing uh, your thesis or your dissertation uh there's a range of other courses that will help you you know for example to write better um to present better to communicate better to be a leader in the workplace Um, and usually in these webinars we provide you with free access into whichever course or topic it is that we're uh, discussing in the session so we've got a research proposal course uh, which will provide access to you uh, later on during the session and we'll also provide you with the student success masterclass which includes a section on uh, writing research proposals but as part of a broader journey that you'll be taking Um, as a postgraduate student and aiming to be successful um, on that journey and of course if you head over to the studentsuccess.coach website um, there is a free six-step download uh, for student success and guys just as I'm teeing up the session please do uh, introduce yourself in the chat tell us where you're coming from uh, what your goals are uh, or your problems are that you're trying to solve for with uh, regards to uh, research proposals. Um, so, absolutely fantastic to see a couple of you joining. Uh, Morongowa, just a happy face there. So, I'm glad that uh, Friday is a happy day for you. Uh, we've officially made it to the weekend if we get past lunchtime uh, on a Friday. So, that's absolutely fantastic news. So, the rest of you, please do just introduce yourself in the chat. Uh, tell us how we can help you today. Let's make the session as interactive as possible. And for those of you just joining... A reminder that in the Student Success Coach Facebook group, we've been running a laptop giveaway. uh, And the rules uh, were uh, set up in that group last Thursday. uh, And we'll be going through some of those finalists just now. And uh, Tracy will be announcing the winner a little bit later on in this webinar. We're thrilled to have such great uh, donors uh, in the community that can make available these types of resources. And uh, we've gone through a very rigorous process to um assess the fantastic nominations that we received and we'll be talking that through a little bit just now steven says hello guys uh first year master's student at Witz university within the school of electrical and information engineering Stephen, good to see vitz joining uh, we usually have quite a bit uh, from Tuckies. uh let's have a look here we've got university of pretoria Masimola jackson uh, university of limpopo welcome and uh good afternoon to you my son is actually on the way to limpopo this afternoon as part of a school tour with the Round Square organization. So he's going up there with a few of his mates and they're going to be doing some community service projects up in uh, Limpopo over the weekend. So very nice to meet you there, uh, Jackson. Boichoko, Dudu University of Pretoria. Uh, fantastic to have you here as well. And just before I get forget, I'm going to make sure that I provide you uh, with a couple of links. So uh, check out the Student Success Coach Uh, website for uh, some more information, as well as um, this free download that you see up on the screen there. So do hop over there, uh, give us your email list, and once you sign up, uh, then you'll get notifications of these webinars and, of course, all the uh, resources that we provide to everybody in the community. Amber Lee from University of Pretoria, first-year master's student in the Faculty of Theology and Religion. Uh, Welcome to you, Amber Lee. I did a postgraduate diploma in theology at Stellenbosch about 15 years ago, I think it was Uh, so fantastic to have you joining us. And guys, I will just say that um, even if you don't have a research proposal that you're working on at the moment, or even if you're not at a postgraduate level, learning about research proposals and how you approach research uh, is fundamentally so important to pretty much every aspect of academic life. So getting engaged in the session, you know, going through the course, asking the questions, you know, that is going to prepare you Uh, for when you get to that stage and i think give you just a better and improved approach uh, to many other aspects um, of academic life so really fantastic uh, to see you guys coming through this morning donita uh, good day geology honors student from the university of free state Uh, this is just amazing to see uh, the range that we have tracy and i you know we both have sort of bleeding hearts for um, our dear students and uh, so thrilling to see such a a wide range of people coming through from different faculties um all doing such incredible work um msc candidate human genetics so i'm guessing tamarin that you have either done your proposal or you're midway through one or you've got one coming up um but at every stage of most aspects of the academic process um understanding how to do research proposals and think about doing research and and that's exactly what we'll be teaching in this webinar today is crucially crucially important right so let's talk very quickly then about our uh laptop giveaway that we've been running in the uh, student success coach facebook group and the rules are pretty simple there was a post there uh, with that picture and uh, you just had to leave a comment and then we would take the three comments with the most reactions and those would be the finalists uh, for the giveaway And those three finalists are what Tracy and myself have been assessing, and we will be announcing one of those three finalists um, as the winner of the laptop a little bit later on in the webinar. And given the success of this uh, giveaway and the response that we've had, and I think the importance of laptops, you know, we're certainly hoping that we'll be able to do this again in the future. So don't be too disappointed uh, if you don't get the laptop and you were really hoping for one, you know, let's try hard to bring, in more donors and more experts that can use this community to really do some good uh, and help all of you be as successful um, as possible. So the first one is Saki up there on the screen, Uh, as you can read it there. um, His laptop died uh, last year, forced to travel campus daily, not being able to replace it. Uh, He needs the flexibility and freedom to work on his research, uh, you know, on a mobile basis. Um, And also assist students designing CVs for free, um, which he's now unable to do because uh, of no laptop uh, or she. Uh, So very deserving uh, nomination there uh, from Saki. Thanks very much, Saki, for entering into the laptop giveaway. The second finalist is Nisani. Uh, So just the thought of being an honest student without a laptop stresses every day. Laptop died last year, June uh, in the pandemic attended classes on her phone not able to do any programming work of course difficulty can't program and do that type of, of detailed work on your phone uh, winning this laptop would open so many doors for me like being able to attend my classes and run my codes love helping grade 12 learners who are underprivileged uh to apply in different universities and colleges best of luck hashtag woman in tech love it uh so thank you very much for um sending through that nomination there Nasani, And I have asked all three of these finalists to join us today on this webinar uh, so that we can congratulate the winner uh, when Tracy uh, joins us a little bit later and announces it. Then the third finalist, uh, Takafatso, aspiring chartered accountant, uh, difficult to learn online without a laptop. Uh, People are computer literate. Um, He wants to launch an online tutoring service. Uh, This will facilitate learning and increase productivity, I'm just uh, paraphrasing here, amazing skills, uh, mere laptop can change your life. And I totally agree with that technology. Uh, you know, we've learned over the last couple of years, you know, connectivity and equipment and resources um, to get the success that you want, and to have the life that you want. Uh, you need these, but you also need the skills. And that's obviously what we're trying to uh, achieve here on the Student Success Coach community. So, I mean, I'd love to give all of you guys a laptop, all three of you finalists. Uh, that's just not possible. Unfortunately, we are going to have to choose one of you, but I've left it in Tracy's capable hands uh, to make that decision, and uh, we'll put her on the spot um, in about 25 minutes to, to make that announcement. So, until then, let's uh, talk about research proposals, and I'd really like um, anybody that's got specific questions about research proposals to drop that in the chat. And as as soon as you ask that question, I'll pick pick it up and we'll answer it and we'll go through it uh, because I wanna make this as relevant uh, and as real um, as possible. So um, the bottom line is that you go into research or you sign up for a postgraduate degree uh, because you've got some kind of passion uh, on a certain topic. You've obviously hopefully got some level of undergraduate qualification uh, and this might even be a research module as part of either an undergrad or a postgraduate diploma type of uh, qualification, so no matter how big or how small um, that research is that you're going to do, you know there's a couple of key steps uh, you know you need to follow, and a couple of key questions that you need to answer, and which you ultimately need to write down and package, you know, in that research proposal, which really then is that foundational document, which you know sets the scene and and sets the tone and the direction uh, for your actual Uh, research that you will then uh, need to be doing. So um, Tabello asks where to start when drafting a research proposal. So where to start is uh, on the topic that you're passionate, you're interested about, um, is to start reading um, and engaging with material on that topic. And you don't have to limit it to the academic literature. Um, You must look around you in the world today. What is that contribution that you want to make on that specific topic? because you're then gonna go into an academic process, develop some solutions and some findings and some application on that problem and then come back and make that contribution available uh, to the world again. So where to start is just to read voraciously about everything um, on that topic. And then once you've started to read and you understand and you are regularly writing down your thoughts and thinking about them and engaging with people like your supervisors and other people in your field, Hopefully, you'll start developing a couple of key things like a thesis statement, a problem statement, um, and one or two others that, uh, you know, will form the basis for your research proposal. But getting started is all about getting engaged um, and active in the specific field that you want to um, do some research. Um, The purpose of a research proposal, TABO, is to answer those three questions that I've got on the screen there. What are you going to do your research on? Why are you going to do it? And how are you going to do it? Now, no matter what website or textbook or anybody that tells you anything about, you know, all different types of methodologies you need to follow for research proposals, those three questions really are at the heart uh, of the research proposal. And there are going to be differences between different faculties and there'll be different requirements uh, for those different faculties, et cetera. Um, but we're going to go through now in this webinar, um, those three aspects. So to answer your question, Tarbo, you know, that's the purpose of the research proposal. And then from the university's perspective, the purpose is to have a formal documented basis on which they will approve you to go and do research. And there might be an ethics approval process in there. If you're doing research on humans, um, you know, medical faculty research proposals will probably be quite extensive. Engineering might look quite different to law, et cetera um but again they're all going to say what you know do you want to research and investigate and you know that'll help you know to drive your problem statement and your thesis statement why are you going to do it contribution and significance we'll talk about that just now and then how um is uh, is methodology so on the topic of methodology aniki says is mixed methods a better route to take than qualitative or quantitative so aniki let me give you my perspective you can honestly design any methodology that you want to follow. You can combine grounded theory with statistical quantitative analysis with a case study and a longitudinal, it doesn't matter. The criteria is that you write it down and you follow it in such a way that it produces the findings that you anticipated from what you had planned to do. And that somebody can repeat that same study on a different set of data to get a different set of results but which creates a wider range of findings on the same topic using the same methodology on a different set of data and that increases the applicability uh, of that study to the rest of the world but to answer your question the more complex you make your methodology the more work you're giving for yourself right so mixed methods as i said allows you to to combine multiple different methods. And it's mixed because there's no formula for which ones you have to do in which way it starts to put the burden on you to do more research about multiple methodologies and understand how you bring them together, compared with taking one existing established methodology and saying, I'm just going to follow that methodology because I know exactly what I need to do, I know exactly what a research report should look like that is produced during that methodology, and because I can apply my mind, and I can look at other examples that have used it, in my book, it's it's a simpler, less complex approach to taking. The thing that you have to think about then is that the benefits you wanted from those other additional methods, you would have to make peace with the fact that you may not be able to have that as part of your study. But remember, you also need to finish your degree, you need to finish your study. Um, You can always add another step or another stage or a follow up or a postdoc, or somebody else can pick up your work and do it after you've done it and add in those additional methodologies that you um, originally want to do. So Aniki, that's the choice that you've got to make. The more you combine methods, the more complex it is to understand and design a methodology that you can present to the university, which remember is the how question, that you can then follow in your your research and that you can then make sure in your final report, somebody else who reads that final report can repeat that same mixed methodology that you design on a different set of data. And that's that's really uh, the two um, things that you need to think about um, doing. Sam, is there a standard template for research proposal? So in the course that I'm going to give you free access to just now, you will get my own uh, PhD research proposal, which was uh, engineering when the sciences uh, faculty. So Sam, you can certainly look at mine there, but let me answer that question right off the bat. In the final report, generally, you've got big, five big sections. You've got an introduction, you've got a literature review, you've got a methodology, You've got findings and then application. And you might have a sixth, which is sort of a discussion, or sometimes you know that conclusion includes the, the application and the future work aspects of it. So it's either five or six. Those are the big sections that people will be looking for in your final report. Now, when you do a research proposal, you're gonna do three of those. You're gonna do an introduction, a literature review and a methodology. Okay, number four and five, because you haven't done the research, you don't have findings, you don't have application yet. So that research proposal might have other faculty-specific requirements, but at the very minimum, again, it must have an introduction, a literature review, and a methodology. Now, related to the methodology, you probably need to have a bit of a project plan that says, okay, I'm going to apply the methodology in the following plan, which the university will look at and support you and assess to see whether in the scope of work that you are taking on and the length of the degree that you've signed up for, whether or not that is actually feasible. And then they'll work with you to help you uh, do that plan. If you look at my research proposal document, um, I had those three sections. But then, for example, in the appendix, um, I had things like the plan that I mentioned. I had my ethics process that I was currently busy with and any additional information that goes to support um, those three big sections. Now, importantly, Sam, and I emphasize this in my course, the better you do those three sections in your research proposal, the more you can reuse them in your final report, because ideally when you come to writing a final report, you're gonna add in your findings, you're gonna add in your application discussion. So on the day that my research proposal was approved, I took those three sections and I literally copied them into my final report. And that was the start of my final report. So when you think about a research proposal, don't think about a research proposal as a one off milestone. Think about it in terms of that final report that you're going to have to produce. And it's a stepping stone on the way to completing that final report and getting your degree and as much of the work that you can do now in your research proposal, the more prepared you are to do that final report. Obviously, you have to update your literature review because your academic confidence will be a lot greater. You have to update your methodology because you'll have learned a lot more about the methodology by applying it. Um, And of course, you'll be able to update uh, your introduction because you'll just be a lot more of an expert and familiar with the topic, uh, having done uh, the study itself. So your final report is not a repeat uh, for those three sections of your research proposal, but your research proposal is a good start uh, to those three sections. Okay, so uh, a longish answer there for Sam, but I think um, hopefully very useful uh, in terms of talking about the template. Uh, Lacedi says the template you're explaining is applicable to all levels of postgrad. Yes, absolutely. Um, and again, just you know, stay in touch with your faculty and have a look at what their specific requirements are for a research proposal. Um, and look at other research proposals that they've already approved and see of those what you can reuse as a template. Um, but again, I would very much doubt that there's any research proposal at higher education that's been approved which doesn't have an introduction, um, a methodology um, and a literature review. Uh, and anything else is gonna be peripheral uh, around that or in support of that or additionally required Uh, by your faculty so once again um you know have a look at the research proposal document Uh, in the course that i make available that was approved uh, by wits engineering uh, postgraduate uh, structures and governance Uh, and again just recognize that was one faculty and other faculties uh, may have other requirements um, okay, Nasani, how much time should you invest in your research, let's say in a week to attain fruit results? And are there any research websites that come in handy? So, Nasani, just to answer that question, um, obviously, if you're doing, you know, whether it's a PhD or a master's level type of research, a week is going to be a proportion of that time. So, the way that I used to think about it is I had four years to do my PhD and I was doing it part time. So, a week for me, I saw in the context of the, that three or four years that I was managing as the bigger project plan. And within that project plan, I had to break it down into the major stages. And if you wanna do any of my other courses where I talk about that high level of planning to complete your thesis, that would be useful for you when you're actually going into your research, which it sounds like uh, the stage you're at in at the moment. And then one of the techniques that I teach is the supervisor weekly status report, which tracks work that you've done in the previous week, it promises work that you're gonna do in the following week, and it keeps you honest and it keeps you focused on what you need to do on a weekly basis to make sufficient progress in each week um, towards completing your degree. And remember that you're you're not not any individual week is gonna have a disproportional difference on your research. The the thing that's gonna make the biggest difference is consistent daily, weekly, monthly patterns and habits of disciplined reading, writing, and thinking in a- accordance with the plan that you've agreed with your supervisors as part of your research um proposal. Poppy says, So excited to be here. Good vibes, studying become accounting science at the University of Pretoria. Poppy, great to have you here. Um, question here. Good day. So honors account, Commerce and Accountancy, University of popa how far data do journals have to be for literature review for research proposal? Okay, good question. So literature review. You know what you're talking about here is sources that you would include in your literature review for a research proposal so two thoughts on that um you need to be very up to date with the latest research Um, and that's just the nature of the academic uh, process Um, new research is potentially going to challenge and supersede previous research and as long as it's gone through a peer review process and is established through peer review journals then later research starts to take precedence over older research okay so you have to be up to date with the latest research in your field however usually in any field for any specific topic and any problem that you're trying to investigate there are going to be established thought leaders and well-respected academics and writers and published authors of research that stands the test of time okay so The work that they've done. And if you look at, for example, grounded theory, which was a methodology that I studied, they came up with grounded theory in 1969. And the the way we use grounded theory today really hasn't differed that much from back then. Um, we've become slightly more sophisticated. And there are slightly more improved ways of doing the different pieces of grounded theory. But in my research proposal, for example, if you go and have a look at it, you will see that I refer to both the latest research Uh, with regards to using grounded theory as a methodology, but I also go back 50 years to the established experts and thought leaders with regards to the usage of of grounded theory uh, as a methodology. So hopefully that answers your question. Um, And when you look at the dates within which you want to study the different topics, try and have that in mind. Um, And if certain people continually are quoted and cited, even though it's 10 15 20 years after their original work, then you can probably still rely on that. Um, And that that would be the indication of of how far back that you you want to go uh, with your research. Okay, Nick useful indeed. Fantastic. Um, uh, Thanks for the response. That's absolute pleasure there, Sam. Um, Okay, okay. Malusi's got a great question here. Please explain the masters through coursework and masters through research. What is the difference? What is the outcome of each of them? It doesn't matter which you opt for to take a PhD. Okay. So so I'm a good example of this, Malusi. In engineering, I did a master's, which was 50% coursework and 50% research. Okay. And in the coursework, I had six um modules that i went through and there were lectures and assignments and exams which is very much what you would experience in undergraduate i still did a full research proposal and wrote a report and published an article and presented at a conference as part of the 50 percent research of my overall masters okay so it doesn't matter which one you go for and i think that if you do both you probably end up doing maybe 120% because it's difficult to do a precise 50% research level degree. Uh, and when I was working with my supervisor, you know, it wasn't like I would say to him, yes, but this is only 50% of my masters. You know, he was an expert in his field, and he needed me to do some research. And he treated me as if I was a, a full time 100% uh, a masters research student. So that's just one thing that you need to consider. However, I benefited hugely from the subjects that I did in the other 50% because I did engineering and those were very much more business uh, so- sorts of topics that gave me a broader perspective um, on my field. And the, the topic that I researched in my masters, uh, which was composite materials has absolutely nothing to do with the topic that I studied for my PhD, which is software engineering. I was able to use the masters that I got in mechanical engineering to register for a PhD in electrical engineering, because it was all within the same engineering faculty. But there was no continuity between the work and the research and the literature review that I did at a master's level to what I then studied at a PhD. So there's a lot of considerations there for you to think about. If you do have a pathway that you are working towards to get to a PhD level, there's a lot of benefit in doing a master's level research whether 50% or 100% because you do a lot of the groundwork that helps you understand and engage with the topic in order to do the PhD uh, at a later level. There's a whole separate topic which we can talk about where you do a PhD either through publications or as a full, uh, fully researched uh, final report. Uh, And that is a whole different topic for uh, possibly a different discussion. Um, Nick, Uh, Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Leading from the front. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Absolutely. And Nick, I mean, to everybody that's joined us today, and it's fantastic that we've got such a big group. The single biggest premise that I use for setting up the student success coach community is what would I have wanted when I was going through my master's and my PhD? So everything that I talk about and all the resources that I make available to you. Uh, are really geared towards helping you be successful. And I know what those issues are because I've been through them. So I can talk about them because I've been there. I've done that. I've got the t-shirt, as Nick has said. And all of my courses, certainly on the postgraduate uh, topics, if you go and have a look at them uh, on my uh, course catalog, uh, on my website, um, you'll see my content, my research, my documents is all part and parcel of those courses because in those courses, I teach you using what i've done and i always explain it is engineering you know you need to think about faculty specific issues that you might have which could be different to engineering but very often the principles are are, are quite common um, across different faculties okay we're going to move on to a couple more slides just now and then we're going to announce our laptop winner but mabato says is it advisable to do masters full-time and work in the same year uh gosh it depends what work you're doing um a full-time masters you know so they would expect a hundred percent level masters quality of research you probably will be extremely busy and have to sacrifice your weekends i wouldn't say it's impossible but i would suggest just from the little that i know um a year can actually go by, by quite quickly and life also happens so there's things that you cannot anticipate and my advice would possibly be just to consider registering for a part-time masters which then will probably be over two years uh, while you then maintain your full-time employment because the last thing you want to do is compromise your full-time employment um and that's i presume because you need that money um so don't don't compromise that you know and then sort of that falls over and then your research falls over and then you've lost both uh rather give yourself a bit more time uh by doing a part-time uh masters that would be my my suggestion okay let's uh let's jump to then a couple of other topics and it will answer some of the questions in the chat there so we've spoken about what why and how and this is from one of the lessons uh in the course where i just sketch up for you um the different aspects of it and as you can see there you know the what starts talks to to the contribution, and you'll start to understand what that contribution is based on your understanding of the literature. Um, so, describing and again relating it to the real world, which you'll pick up in your introduction, um, you know, from the broad contemporary world understanding of that topic down to the more narrower academic definition of whatever it is that you uh, are trying to analyze. The why then as i said uh, once you have understood the literature and you've perhaps identified a bit of a gap um, and you want to then go and work on you know filling that gap potentially or increasing our knowledge of something that perhaps is a little bit under research um it will give you a couple of things which is contribution and significance and we'll talk about that a little bit just now i'm going to go through each of these uh, in a little bit more detail as well and then the how is your methodology so we spoke about mixed methods quantitative qualitative um very important um, that while you might choose a methodology that in your final report uh, methodology section you also step back and you go through a process of selecting that methodology not just because you liked it um but because it is in line with your worldview and your understanding of how uh, knowledge is created and there's a lot more detail on that uh in a couple of my courses so what is all about the thesis statement? You know, So what you will investigate is described as best as possible in a single well thought through sentence like I've got up there on the screen, which, for example, says that peanut butter sandwiches are effective for reducing hunger in tennis players after long matches, long uh, matches. Right. So that's a thesis statement. So it's almost a hypothesis. And I want to investigate that. Um, and you need to be able to draw a box around that statement because as much as it defines what's in your research, it also defines what is out of your research. And defining what is out of your research is one of the most important things to prevent scope creep. And like I said to you, you know when I was working with my supervisor and we were doing some research, you know he wanted me to go and do lots of other bits and pieces. And I often had to come back to my thesis statement and say, well, I have limited time and resources, for me to be successful in this research i keep having to go back to that scope statement to stick with that and not be pulled in other directions uh, by whatever else is happening uh, sinotando yes uh, so if you subscribe to the youtube channel and maybe let me just put that link here now for you quickly uh, you will then obviously get access to this webinar recording and all the other webinars that we've done previously with our experts and on a range of other topics and any future webinar that I share, the same link that you join live is the link where you'll find the recording. Um, But if you are subscribed to the YouTube channel, uh, very easy for you to get that notification and get those reminders and get access obviously to all the other uh, videos that we make available um, on the platform. Um, Sakile asks, so how do you evaluate the quality of your proposal? Um, You need to, get other people to read it ultimately the test the ultimate test of quality is going to be that proposal panel and you're going to present uh potentially um, to a panel who will then read it and review it and decide whether to approve it or not Um, but before then you need to have a few people around you uh, that can give you some pointers and some guidance um and you need to be quite specific about identifying those people and saying look i'm busy with the research proposal Can I call on you to review it and go through it with me and give me some pointers on it, um, which will help you then evaluate the quality of a proposal. And again, Sakila, just from my point of view, you know, more than welcome to, to look at mine in the course, you know, and then compare yours. I'm not saying mine is perfect or it's got all the answers, but it was approved and it formed a great foundation for my PhD. So you could look at that as one example. Um, And the other thing is that um, research proposals are not as easily available on the academic websites as the final reports. Um, So you need to go and ask people for their research proposals, asking your faculty uh, for research proposals that have been approved. And then again, that's where you can evaluate the quality of your own proposal to see how well it stacks up um, against those that have been um, approved. Okay, Alton asks, when looking for information resources and sources, how many pages should the reference list be? Brilliant question and I get asked this a lot. How many references should I have? Um, And I've actually got a YouTube video and I explain exactly the number of references that I had. Um, I even explain the number of pages and words I had in each of the different sections of my final report because that's another big question. You know, how long should your final report be? How many pages should you spend on every different section? There are definitely some benchmarks for that and some guidelines. Um, At a PhD level, you should at least be engaging with about a thousand sources, okay, that are meaningful in your field. And if you go through my course on referencing through a, t- a tool like EndNote, you know, if I was to come and look in your EndNote library or Zotero or one of those, I would expect to see probably a thousand sources that you've you've put in that source library and that you're engaging with, but you're not necessarily going to put all of those as cited references in your final report. Um, you might end up with two, three, four hundred. It's very difficult to put a specific number on it. Also, be very well aware that uh, padding your a final report or your research with unnecessary writing or unnecessary references that don't add to the argument or the quality of your research can also leave you marked down. Um, so don't just fill up for the sake of it, make sure that it is um, high quality. Uh, Tracy asks, how do I develop a good thesis statement? So I I do go through that topic in the course. And when I post the link, you'll be able to enroll and and go through that. How to write a good literature review without plagiarism, always, always put direct quotes around where you have the exact same word sequence uh, from another source. But if you paraphrase and add your own voice and your own argument, then obviously, that is a rewording uh, and not going to be considered as plagiarism. But the ultimate test is to put your work through a tool like Turnitin, and that will tell you how much plagiarism you have in your work. There's always going to be a certain percentage of unintended plagiarism, just because you know we all, you know, at some stage there's going to be words that are in the same sequence as other people's, but you didn't intentionally uh, copy that work. And if you've been through that, it's the same tool that the university will use, uh, which they would then analyze. Um, to have a look at how much plagiarism uh, you've done. All right. then uh, if we look at why, so as I mentioned, you've got this two uh, ideas of contribution versus significance, and there's a video that I talk about on that. Um, contribution is going to be um, the, 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 how your work will help your field improve its, in its quality and coverage uh, of the topic right but uh, a significance um is going to vary based on how useful that research is in the world right so you can imagine that research on covid vaccines and the covid virus is incredibly significant for the world today because it will probably directly save lives okay um but and that's why there's often a discrepancy between the contribution and the significance so think about both of them you can make a fantastic contribution to your field but is that contribution going to have some significance in the world today and the best test of that is when you're sitting around on a saturday afternoon with a couple of friends are you able to talk about the contribution you're making to your field in terms of the significance that it makes to the world in general or an industry or some specific area uh, of, of the world uh, uh, that we live in today and, and and that's a very important link that you need to make and that you need to understand and talks to the why um, of your research proposal and you must include that uh, or some motivation for it uh, and whatever you want to study in your research proposal and there again detailed video on um, incorporating a methodology into your research proposal, um, how you position yourself in the world of research, and then as a result of that, the methodology that you've chosen. Uh, We've spoken quite extensively already in this webinar about qualitative, quantitative, mixed methods, et cetera. And there could be things like, you know, interviews and surveys and ethics. And then again, as I said, planning is an important part because your methodology should have some time aspect to it. You know, so you're going to follow some high level steps and you need to link those steps in the methodology to you and your life. What, what is happening in your life in the next year or two years or the period of time you need to do this research proposal? You know, if you're doing interviews, do you need to finish your interviews by the 30th of March on a certain year in order to start the analysis of those interviews, which is going to take you three months? so that the analysis is going to be concluded by the time that you need to have a first draft of your findings submitted to your supervisors. And in my thesis course, I, I sketch out that planning process. Um, but even at the research proposal stage, you need to be incorporating uh, some level of planning, even at a high level. And my plan, as you'll see in the course, was literally on a quarter by quarter basis. It wasn't down to day by day. You don't need to do that level of planning, but you need to be able to say, You know, this quarter, this quarter, this quarter, especially if you're doing a four-year PhD or six-year part-time PhD. If you're doing a a one-year 50% of a master's, you might go to a month level or a week level and use the timetable of your university to work backwards from when you need to submit things, when you need to have things ready and show that plan in your research proposal and link it to the methodology. So that aspects of it, uh, is very important as well. Uh, Gerald asks, can works that are not peer-reviewed be used? EJ recently wrote a published book on it. Absolutely. So if you go into EndNote, uh, the available in the drop-down box of the types of things that you can reference is a YouTube video. You can reference this YouTube video if you want. You can reference a blog article. You can reference a magazine. You can reference, even in ground theory, I mean, uh, photographs and all sorts of stuff. The question is the relevance of that source that you cited and the quality of it as an academic source that you can reference. That's the question you've got to ask, right? And when you make academic arguments and when you analyze academic sources in your literature review, you will lose credibility if you compare a YouTube video with a peer reviewed journal article don't do that. Okay, there is a place for discussing YouTube videos. But it's most likely going to be where you talk about the significance of your study because the world consumes YouTube videos and Wikipedia articles, but the academic world consumes peer reviewed journals and conference proceedings. If you can make the link between the two, you start to combine the contribution that you make and the significance that you hope to achieve um, in the world. But to answer your question, Gerald, you can reference absolutely anything. Uh, The question is how useful it is and how much it adds or detracts from your credibility. So if I look through your reference list of your PhD and, you know, 70 percent of them is Wikipedia and YouTube and books from exclusive books, you know, that's, you know, in in academic circles, that final report might not have the credibility of another one where 70 percent of them are peer reviewed journals in your field, on your topic by thought leaders um, that have researched on related topics, uh, conference proceedings, uh, case studies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's just the point that I'm trying to make. And it's a very good exercise to scan through your reference list and get a sense of uh, you know, what that mix is um, of the references. Uh, Nick says, Wikipedia is so credible. So Wikipedia is secondary research. All that Wikipedia is doing is talking about primary research. Now, as as academics, we need to be going back to the source, to the primary research. Primary research is defined by did you gather the data that you then analyzed, right? That's primary research. And that's what people are looking for in a PhD. You need to interview the person or ask, you know, have somebody do it for you. But you are the agent. You are the agent of gathering the data. Wikipedia generally cites primary or secondary sources and is therefore third, fourth-hand research. But it's not a bad option for getting access to relevant primary research because at the bottom of every Wikipedia article, you'll see the sources that they reference. So when I use Wikipedia, I go to those sources and I click on them at the bottom. And usually you can follow a trail to the primary research and that's what you need to include um, in your PhD. So Nick, 100% primary uh, research is key, so absolutely 100 percent there. Uh, and some people get quite passionate about that as well. All right, then just last topic before we announce our laptop winner, and I think let me just include Tracy in here so she can say, "Hi, to everybody. How's it Tracy?:
1: Hi guys. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't Excellent. wait.:
0: Fantastic. So Tracy, we're nearly there. Our last topic for research proposals is obviously presentations. Now, it's not always required in every faculty. But I would strongly advise that you do it anyway um, because it sharpens your ability to talk about your topic and the work that you've done in writing that research proposal in front of people. And we all know that, you know, to be able to teach something, you have to know it well. To be able to talk about your research proposal, you have to done a, a decent job of putting it together. So be proactive, as I said at the bottom there. You know, make it happen. Coordinate that with your institution. Um, If it is a mandatory requirement, then your supervisor or the postgraduate coordinator will already set it up. Um, But even so, I would be proactive and ask them, you know, when is my presentation going to happen? Who is going to be on the panel? Um, And in the course that I'm going to make available to you guys now, there is a whole section on uh, presentations for proposals. And, uh, you know, that's what's in the rest of the course that you can have a look at there, which you'll see is that last section. And uh, in the course, you will actually get um, the uh, presentation slides that I used um, in my um, PhD research proposal. And I'm making access available now on the chat. And there's only 100 free spots. Okay, guys, um, on the courses that I'm providing to you. But those first 100 are free. Um, Once you've enrolled in the course, then you've got lifetime access to the course. But Once those 100 slots are used up, then it goes back to the normal price. Um, So please do make sure that if you want free access into that course that you enroll there now or wait for a future webinar, we might be doing research proposals again at a later stage. And as I said at the beginning of the webinar, if you would like to go through the more comprehensive uh, student success masterclass, um, I'm also making available 100 spots on that course. And I put the link in the chat there now and research proposals are a section in that course, but I don't go into it in as much detail as I do in the course that's up there um, on the screen right now. So uh, just to recap, uh, the first course uh, that we've spoken about and that I've made available now in the chat is how to your research a proposal and get your research approved. Practical guide to all aspects of a successful research study proposal. Make progress on your own. And mine uh, is in that course as well as a downloadable resource, both the actual document and the presentation slides. And then the student success masterclass, six steps to complete your degree. That's a bigger course uh, that gives you a full sense of the entire journey that you need to go on as a postgraduate student. Um, And within that is a section on research proposals, uh, as I mentioned. And um, so uh, Prof Ivan Hofseyer is the postgraduate coordinator at BITS Engineering. Uh, He's gone through my course and I actually interview him um, on our um, podcast and I'm going to put that link uh, in the chat as well because it's quite a good perspective from um, the postgraduate coordinator's perspective on uh, research proposals. Plus, we interviewed a successful uh, Taki's PhD student, Yolandi Richards, Um, this was during last year. And she had actually just finished her research proposal and had it approved. So I put the link to that interview there um, as well. With that said, guys, I, I do see that there's a couple of um, questions here. Do best tool for referencing. So there's Zotero, EndNote. Um, there's a couple of others. Any of those, you're not gonna go wrong. I wouldn't try and find the perfect tool. I would uh, just pick one and get going with it because they're all pretty much the, uh, similar structuring your literature interview i do cover that in a bit of detail in the course i'll quickly grab a good blog article on structuring a literature review uh, and give you that um, information just now as well okay with that said i'm now going to hand over to tracy who is going to announce the winner of our laptop giveaway over to you tracy
1: I cannot wait, Peter, and forgive me, guys. I've been looking down a lot, making notes, which I don't normally do. However, this is too exciting and things have been changing whilst we've been on the call. So what, um, as Peter said, we have shortlisted three people who, who Clearly, there were many of you who need the laptop. We've shortlisted three people whose stories resonated with us. How this happened was I was interviewing, I think it was about 23 students for bursaries um, a couple of weeks ago. And during that time, I met a young person who was struggling, who didn't have a laptop. And during the interview, I said, hold on a minute. I don't know if it's going to work, but bear with me. In the middle of the interview, I started Posting on my Facebook page, there's this amazing young um, person who is in need of a laptop. If there's anyone out there who has a laptop they no longer use, would you consider donating it? And we were overwhelmed with the kindness of so many people who were willing to help. And so Peter and I said, you know, given that there's more than one, we were able to help this young man, but given that there are more than one people, Human beings with big hearts out there and um, willing to help. Why don't we open it up to the student success coach, all of you guys, our members, and let's see if we can, you know, f- select. It's hard to select. Peter and I were talking earlier, it's very hard to select, but see if we can select somebody who can benefit from this. And so we spent a lot of time going through. Um, and Peter, if you want to put up the, um, profiles again at some stage. We went through, spent a lot of time going through them, and it wasn't just about what you guys were writing. We looked at, you know, what you uh, what you are studying, where you need the laptop, um, where your where perhaps is a gap by you not having a laptop. We also looked at what you're aspiring to do and thought about, could the the laptop help you with that? And then finally, something that was important to both of us was seeing how many of you are actually looking to give back and pay it forward and that having a laptop will allow you to do that. So, we went back and forth and back and forth and um, we said we wished we could give all three of our shortlisted um, members a laptop. So, we have And Peter didn't even know that. So there's this amazing gentleman. I never told Peter about it until this minute because he was messaging me right now. There's an amazing...
0: Tracy, Tracy, Hmm. just say that again. Are you saying... Let me just hear you correctly. Are you saying that all three of our finalists... Just say it again.
1: All three of the finalists. So Saki, Nasani, and uh, Tagafatso are all getting laptops today.
0: Oh, my word. Okay, guys, what do you think about I didn't even know that until Tracy. You didn't
1: even, that Peter now. didn't know that. Peter didn't know all that. All three. The, yeah, I got the go-ahead a few minutes ago that all three of you are going to get amazing laptops. I don't know if you have um, the spec there, um, Peter, but um, be, I'm beyond excited, as you can tell. <laughs> is it that one, Tracy,
0: is it that one that I sent you uh, on a lot?
1: and okay. it it's the one
0: it's the one on the front on the thumbnail of the YouTube video uh, that I, I put out this week Tracy that's so, incredible I mean and who is the gentleman or the organization or the lady that we need to thank and and give some publicity to
1: it's actually somebody who would like to stay anonymous and and okay. <laughs> individual who does already a lot of work into Africa with less privileged um, communities and so on. And so he saw a a friend of mine reposted my Facebook um, post and he saw it and he called. He's in I think Angola. He called and said tell me you know what you need. We um, We said we need a laptop. He came back and i've told him
0: about the three finalists and he said let's give them all laptops wow I, I must say i'm even i even have a tear in my eyes because tracy yes. i'm outstanding with uh, you know just i'm amazed at the generosity and so let's just remind ourselves and i don't know whether these people i did ask them if they could join the webinar but just to clarify and this is a commitment that we make and a promise that we will keep Saki, Dubey, you're getting a laptop okay Nasani, if I've pronounced it correctly, uh, El Alwani, you are getting a laptop. And Tachafatso, uh Rochelle, you are getting a laptop. That is absolutely inc- incredible news, Tracy. And that is one of the things uh, that makes me so happy with the work and the many hours, Tracy, that you and I put in to contribute to this community and to do what we can to help people uh, lift themselves up and uh, hopefully have a better life and be successful in their studies so it just reminds me of why we are doing what we're doing and uh, i'm just i can't keep up with posting all these comments here lacedi says three laptop problems solved in a minute wow and and, and lacedi that's exactly what it is you know when you crowdsource uh solutions to problems and you create a community like the one that we've got here, it's actually incredible what you can achieve um so this is, is sort of and there's okay Saki okay so Saki is the winner one of the winners uh, of the laptop so tracy peter and anonymous you've just made my day so i honestly didn't do very much i just created this community tracy's the one that had that made the connection and then somebody who wants to stay anonymous is the benefactor um you know that wants to obviously stay anonymous if you can't mention and gives some publicity to. but you know that's how we brought this all together and made it happen any last wow. thoughts uh, and we
1: actually have Nick Smith has said I'll pledge 500 Okay, so that's my last thought, guys. My thought is that everything, whether it's my Suits for Student campaign, whether it's Peter and I doing the work that we do, all we ever ask is that you pay it forward. And it doesn't mean that you have to give your laptop away, but it could be when you are established as a business person doing well in your life, you find somebody who needs a laptop or else even now with your laptop, you could help two people a month to do their CVs. I have a great and super simple CV template, which you guys can have at any stage, you know, doing somebody's cv or helping them with their cv literally changes the rest of their lives
0: yeah yeah tracy absolutely and again we've got courses on cvs and interviews and you can do those courses and you can change your life and uh you know the small price of enrolling in one of those courses or booking an hour of tracy's time which you can get more information on uh from her website that's a very small investment to make in changing your life and as you can see by what we've been able to achieve today. Uh, as a result of everybody's contributions to the community does actually have some massive disproportional impact, not just on these three people, but on everybody else that they're going to um, help. And I see Nassani has said uh, also, thank you, Tracy, Peter, thanks everyone. And uh, thank you guys. Thanks to the anonymous uh, man. So yes, absolutely from my side, thanks to them as well. And the only thing that I ask for in return is that you guys always leave a rating and a review on my courses and that you like and subscribe to any of my content, whether it's on YouTube, I put the link there. If it's on Facebook, please let's engage, let's support, uh, let's give feedback to people. Uh, Nick, it sounds like we're gonna be taking you up on uh, your pledge 500 Rand towards the next laptop uh, donation. But those of you that have enrolled uh, in my courses, which I've made available today, which is the research proposal and the student success course, please leave a rating and a review. It's absolutely the only thing, literally the only thing that I ask for in return for the work that i do to support this community and from tracy's perspective uh, she's got some fantastic charities like the suits for students and you can find all about that uh, on her website which i'll share again in the facebook uh, group later on today um kirsten how can i get access to your cv template that is in the cv course so kirsten you can reach out to us and we'll happily open that up for you to get for free um you know we generally if you ask we'll make our courses available for free again just leave a rating and a review uh, that is also in the course. Uh, Opadilia also says CV template in the course. And guys, next week, we are doing a webinar uh, on digital marketing interviews and talent acquisition. So those of you that are interested in digital marketing and getting into digital marketing positions or involved in digital marketing, hiring or recruiting, come and join us for that session. And the following week, we are launching a brand new course on using LinkedIn to get jobs so how to set your profile how to go and analyze the jobs market in linkedin how to learn about recruiters that are posting jobs that you're looking for so the next two webinars again are all in this field of cvs and templates and job search uh we've got salil coming in tracy if you're available more than welcome to pop in Uh, but that's the topics for the next couple of weeks and um guys i really just appreciate all the support that you've given us as simply um, the cv courses are accessible in the facebook group uh, and on my website and you the best way of getting in touch with me is a dm on facebook we also have uh, the whatsapp broadcast lists uh, so when you come into the facebook group leave your cell phone number and your email address and i've got your details and you, you'll, you'll get your broadcasts every week and you can also uh, message me back if you've got any questions okay So tracy last thoughts on your side as we say goodbye and wrap up this week's webinar.
1: I'm I'm so touched I can barely speak and you know I know you guys who get laptops get excited but you know how (laughs) excited Peter and I get I love my job
0: yeah I uh, just put uh, my comment in there amazing three laptops and that's what we're all about here at the student success coach and the last thing I guess from my side is as always to go and take action guys so you're only going to get your degree. You're only going to be successful in the workplace. You're only going to solve the problems that you've got in your life by taking action. Three people and plenty others, but the three that won today took action because they engaged in the Facebook group and they've got a laptop because they took action. You can get your degrees. You can get the jobs that you want, but you have to take action. And with that, I'll say goodbye until next week. And we'll see you in the Facebook group where we'll put a lot more information. And Tracy's also very active uh, and will interact with you. Uh, and support you in the Facebook group as well. Peter, absolutely a success space. That's what we're all working hard to achieve. Mm -hmm. For now, have a super and successful weekend. We'll see you in the Facebook group. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, and we'll catch you here again live at 12 o'clock next Friday. Thanks all. Cheers, Tracy. Bye.